0: this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport
1: powered by fans hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news
3: three-times weekly audio show looking into the exciting happenings of Ipswich Town Football Club. My name is Benjamin Bloom and I'll be here each and every Friday for the Blue Monday preview show with a special guest to get there inside of you on the next opponent for Ipswich Town. Ladies and gentlemen, this week joining me on the pod from the Lion of Vienna Suite podcast representing Bolton Wanderers. Mr. Chris Manning, how you doing, Chris?
4: Good evening, Ben. Fine, thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, yeah,
3: no happy problem. To be here. Um, we need to just break the fourth wall. It's eleven o'clock at night, so if you <laughs> want to say um, thank you to Chris for doing this in the middle of the night to work around my stupid schedule, then this will be um, great. Um, Chris, what what is a Lion of Vienna?
4: Well, we're a, a fan blog, basically, that started out as a A little hobby between a couple of overseas fans that sort of morphed into a weird hybrid of reporting of of breaking stories from time to time, match reports, the bog standard things like that. Occasional enemies of the club, occasional friends of the club. We like to think something that we're quite independent. We're a group of about maybe about a dozen or so fans all told. Um, I I try and put the little ragtag group together and and organize things a little bit, but we. Just a lot of different independent voices who, who have different opinions on wonders. We don't tend to agree all the time. We we disagree frequently. Um, described in some some circles as being a bit controversial or argumentative is probably a better way of doing it. Uh, but not not intending ever to to go out and uh, and cause any offence or anything like that. Just just some passionate football fans who sometimes don't know when to stop.
3: <laughs> Great work. And particularly after um, Saturday's game coming up, where can we find you online, etc.?
4: Yeah, um, Line of Vienna Ste is the website. So occasionally you get people messen- messaging us asking who Ste is, but it's only the limitations mean that we can't fit Sweet in there. Or Line of Vienna dot com is the main uh, the main hub where everything comes from. Social media, Facebook, and so on. It's all in, the, in the, the same place. It's all named exactly the same. So feel free to check us out and say hello. A friendly bunch, and um, depending on how the result goes, we might be very friendly to you.
3: And the podcast, I do it through iTunes. You're not on aCast, are you?
4: No, uh, Blog Talk Radio, I believe, oh, is the platform. Yeah, I,
3: I get you through iTunes. So um, yeah. yeah, yeah, subscribe that way. Um, just, uh, just what's the what's the Vienna link?
4: Uh, Nat Lofthouse, the famous, probably the most famous player we've ever had, as. Uh, Described as the line of Vienna after a particularly memorable performance for oh. England in, Aust- in Austria, donkeys I'm years quite ago.
3: dumb now for not knowing that when you said That's okay.
4: Unless you know, you don't know, you don't know. And uh, so that when the when the website was set up, it was uh, it was decided upon that uh, to honour him by using his his nickname as part of the site's address. It's. Uh, yeah, it's, it's quite a recognisable thing to most of the time. but uh, We have a lot maybe of very
3: knowledgeable listeners who will just be like banging, I'm sure. banging their heads against the dashboard <laughs> for me not knowing that. Um, <laughs> so when did it start for you with Wanderers, Chris? What is your what is your vintage and how has your yeah. journey been?
4: Well, I'm 34 now and I've been going on and off. Oh, sorry, I bet that sounds bad. I've been going to the match since I was about eight or nine Um my mum's side of the family are all from Bolton. My dad's side of the family are all from Salford. So when I was a kid, it used to be an on-off and thing with United. One week, my uncle would take me to my dad would take me to United, and the next week, my uncles would take me to Bolton. And when I got to about ten, eleven, they made me choose. Uh, really stupid decision. I chose Bolton, <laughs> and uh, there you go. I've been going, going. Had season tickets here for nineteen ninety-five. So what? That's about twenty years. Give or take.
3: So you're about um, you're about my age. Would this be those? When Bolton were that classic cup team that were, I remember them mm, going going absolutely. to Liverpool and winning and um, absolutely that, they, they would I always make national it, news in the years. cups, wouldn't they?
4: Okay, yeah, absolutely. They were the, the first few years that I started to go, um, you know, with relatives, grandparents, etc., would be that that exact season where we were playing Liverpool, Everton, we got all the way to the quarterfinals. Andy, yeah? Andy Walker, John McGinley, so these are yeah. all my childhood heroes. You see, classic. And then we had the uh, the. Eight, the area that came, that came next with Allardyce when you had well, another, another set of heroes. So we're it's an uh, exciting time. Yeah,
3: we're going to talk about that team in a little bit because um, they cool. have a very special place in Ipswich fans' hearts. Um, <laughs> right, we're going to start with a positive because um, I know there's um, embargo things and stuff we need to talk about. But last season, second place in League One, 25 wins, 86 points. Um, can you kind of, in summary... Um, you down one season, got straight back up, really good um you know really good performance to do it, um nearly the two points per game as well. um Tell us the story of last season and who were the kind of star players and how parkinson did it
4: it was it was nice it was a, a refreshing change because it was the first time in probably six or seven seasons that we were we were successful because obviously we had years where we stayed up in the premier league, but that's that's more a more attritional sort of football where uh, surviving it is success, whereas, you know, as fans, I think the, the glory of, of wins and of victories and, and thumping victories as well is what the game's all about. It's not about grinding out enough points just to stay up so that you can stay up in the next season and grind out even more points to stay up again. So it was nice to, be on, to have the shoe on the other foot for once. Um, we started off pretty well. We won our first four games, I think, from memory. And then we had a bit of a blip, eight or nine games without a win, um, which took everyone by surprise. But then the team rallied back together and put in some fantastic performances and, and then ultimately secured uh, promotion on the last day of the season. It was probably a little bit more hairy than it probably should have been, given the way that we we did dominate a lot of the games uh, in the division. But we couldn't catch Sheffield United in first, and we just about managed to hold off Bradford and Millwall, who were, who were third and fourth, respectively. Um, star men for the team, well... The, the, my favourite player in the team last year was, was Zach Clough we had to sell him obviously at Christmas because, uh, because times were hard um, but otherwise the better players in the team we had um, looking from the back Weeter and Beavers formed a really good partnership and, and they were a, a cut above that division if we're being honest they scored a lot of goals about 15 or 16 between them <laughs> Vella from centre-half wow from Cent- yeah Vella in midfield scored 10 I think um, or, or one or two either side and then Medina up front who's been a, a very polarising figure amongst Bolton fans, um, he started to finally finally show what he could do. He scored 11, I think it was, in total as well, including a couple of very important ones towards the end. So the spine of the team was quite strong uh, and Parkinson, being quite an organised uh, type of bloke, finally managed to turn us into a into a coherent unit, which we weren't the last uh, last couple of seasons in the Championship under Friedman and Lennon. We, we've, we looked like strangers and we played like strangers. So that kind of organisation was pleasing to see and it certainly made... Uh, they got the match a bit more enjoyable.
3: Um, I've got three questions just based on what you've just said. Um, can, is Vela, um, is he box-to-box a 10 or a sit-back type centre midfielder?
4: Mm. When he first came through the ranks, when he was a youngster, he was definitely more of a, of a sitting back and sort of getting stuck in, kind of j in ish kind of tackle uh, tackler. Then Lennon decided in his infinite wisdom to play him at right-back, for eighteen, for eighteen months. L- L-
3: Lennon was a unique character, wasn't
4: he? To say the least, to say the <laughs> least. Um, and then he, he moved into uh, into this sort of number ten spot when Clough left, and he absolutely thrived, which I don't think many people predicted would happen. But he took to it like an absolute duck to water, scored goals all over the show, and was really dynamic and a real. Uh, you well, know, probably I think he might have come second in the play of the year, running to back. You know, when the fans vote towards the end of the campaign, so. It's a real shame that he's out-injured because we're really missing that dynamism already. This, just even seven games into this season, um, he's a good player. I'm actually quite pleased we kept hold of him because there was a, there was a couple of rumours in the summer that uh, the Vultures were circling, given our perilous financial situation. Even uh, one set of rumours that he was linked with Wigan, which would have been disappointing, given their relegation and our our promotion. But money would have I think money would have talked if a team had put some money on the table, but... It's about 18 months now since the last series bid for him, which was from Cardiff. And we were in a better, slightly better position back then that we could afford to say no. Um, and given the news today, hopefully we'll be able to resist that as well, should anyone come in in January.
3: Um, why is Medine polarising?
4: He, he's not. I don't, I don't want to be horrible to the guy, but I've, 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 I've done this in the past. i it how it
3: is, Chris. Come on.
4: Yeah, he's, he's well. His, his Wikipedia page makes for interesting reading. He spent a bit of time inside, a bit of a bad boy. Um, very underwhelming career uh, to date, bar one season in League One with Sheffield Wednesday, six or seven uh, seasons ago. Signed when we were at a, a real low-ebb. I think he was at a low-ebb as well. He'd just been released by Blackpool, um, who'd got relegated the year before. He only scored four or five goals uh, in 35 games, I think it was, in the season that we got relegated. and So absolutely abysmal performances and so his relationship with the fans wasn't the best because he, he he could be seen to be a bit of a bit mopey to be honest he'd, he'd trot around the pitch and flail his arms up in the air if things weren't going his way and he didn't really seem to be doing a great deal to fix the situation rather than just standing there and complaining about it but credit to him he, he turned it around last season and he's done the same this year as well he's carry on where he left off his performances have been superb. Um, he seems to have that spark about him, maybe a bit more confidence and self-belief, um, which I don't think he had under Lennon because he he they'd fall out more often than not. And I think Parkinson's a lot more uh, amenable, knows how to work, uh, work with Dean Psyche, um and we get getting rewarded by some better performances. So those polarising times are, are probably me being a bit harsh. Those days are, are behind him now. He's, he's firmly ensconced in that tip of the diamond of attack. Uh, with nobody else really to challenge him. So he's got that that place all season, if he wants it, and uh, it seems like he's finally starting to, to mature a little bit and uh, we're getting the benefit out of it most definitely.
3: And am I right? He's neither a target man nor a goal poacher, but more uh, mm. more in, in between? I don't really know how to
0: describe Yeah.
4: No, you are. You're right. He's definitely not a centre-forward because his, his goal-scoring record bears that out and his finishing isn't the best. But well, he's, he's, he's very good in the air and he's very strong and he's very good at bringing people into play as well. So, yeah, he's almost like a, a main striker that doesn't play as a striker because the the tendency we have is to utilise his aerial prowess and that means him you know, having to sometimes come deep to get the ball. So, it's hard for me to, to criticise him for his goal-scoring record when the way we play doesn't encourage him to get in the box very often. No,
1: I
3: di- our manager's Mick McCarvey, so I totally, totally get <laughs> what you were saying. Um, You said something uh, that really fascinated me about Three or four minutes ago about um, the comparison between, say, finishing 12th in the Premier League, losing to most of the top six, but getting the odd great victory through the season and cobbling through as opposed to getting 86 points in Mm. in Division two. uh, Sorry, Division one. I'm I'm old school. Um, Which is which is actually better
4: oh I'd much rather be a, a, a big fish in a small pond I mean last yeah. year we we had we had the, the you know the the away games at Bury, Rochdale places like that where we'd go, and teams would treat us the way that we treated United and Chelsea and City and so on in the Premier League years so I know it's a it's a bit of a long comparison it's not really that relevant, but it was that kind of feeling and, and to go to the game when you know you know chances are you're going to win. It just makes all the difference to your enjoyment of the game, I think. So, to go in the Premier League and even in the Championship in years past to, to the bigger teams like Newcastle and, and Sunderland and Villa and people like that, you know that nine times out of ten you're going to lose. And with Chelsea, we lost, I think we lost 4 0 against them four years on the trot. So <laughs> you, you, start, you start to sort of wonder, or I started to wonder, you know, what's the point? I might as well skip that game, do something more interesting. And well, then we'll, I always I'll go wonder next. wonder about
3: West Brom. You know, like West Brom. What's Broms. the point? Yeah, what's the been point up of supporting for... a team?
4: What is the point of supporting a team well, like they, West Brompton? They don't seriously? try and
3: win any of the cups either, do they? Exactly.
4: It's... Exactly. Middlesbrough oh. are exactly the same. What is the point? I would genuinely rather not not watch football than support someone like Middlesbrough because Get a silly world ed- card. Yeah, everything that I think football <laughs> what is enjoyable about football is they don't seem to, to stand for. And I know I'm saying this as a Bolton fan, I've not really got a leg to stand on, blah blah blah, but That's the way I approach the game. I want to enjoy it. I want to feel like there's a competition. I don't want to feel like it's a a procession that you're just going to turn up to make up the numbers and to get pumped every week. Because we've had a season like that in 2015-16 and it was the worst season of my my match going life. It was just every week you turned up and you knew full well what was going to happen. We had an 18-game winless streak um, which sapped the spirit of pretty much everybody. It was depressing. And even you, you end up starting just to laugh. You laugh at things because, you know, what else can he you do? He'd end up going home and, and kicking the dog or shouting at the missus. We or something had the like that. yeah, we had
3: Pointless. the the fabled ninety four, ninety five season where you yeah. st- and they still bring up the nine nil against Man United and yeah, those those things do kind of stand the memory. Um right, I'm afraid we're gonna lower the tone now because some <laughs> Ipswich fans think it sucks to have Marcus Evans as an owner. But can you tell us about sports shields? Blue marbles and embargoes and whatever the right. hell all of that means and how you feel, feel about like, it all.
4: Yeah, I feel like we know much more about that than about the football, as far as things go, because we we had a, a benefactor, much like uh, Marcus Evans and Eddie, Eddie Davies, who, if you own a kettle, you've probably got an element in there that he uh, he patented, invented, and made his own. Oh, okay, on. very exciting. Um, <laughs> he bankrolled the team for for twenty years under Allardyce uh, with Phil Gartside and so on until. About three years ago, he, he all of a sudden turned the tap off, and we've had to become self-sufficient. Where we had to become self-sufficient with crippling debts of nearly 150 million quid, not to mention a, a bloated squad full of ex Premier League players earning tens, fifteen thousand pound a week. So, our finances took a nosedive. To the fact that we started getting winding up orders off various creditors that we owed money to, and um, it came to a head where we're in the High Court, due to be wound up, um, and at the last minute. Dean Holdsworth, who former centre forward, who, who played in a game that we might mention later <laughs> on, um, scored. Step, scored did, in all the games down. we're going
3: to mention later on. As,
4: yeah. yeah, well, that's why I said it. Um, uh, Dean Holdsworth came forward with a group of finances to to take over the club and to take on the debt and to and to get us as a going concern again. Shortly before the deadline, his his backer backed out. His financing man uh, left. Did a runner. And then this inner circle. Investments, I think they're called, there, uh, which headed up by Ken Anderson, who's the chairman now. He's a, an ex football agent who's got himself into the investment game. Don Wilson. Well
3: sorry, Chris, didn't in a circle sing "Sweat a la 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 la" long? <laughs> do you remember that song? They did, didn't they?
4: Of course, I do. I am a ch- child of the, of the yeah. mid eighties and absolute nineties is my is my go to radio station. Of okay. course, I know that song. So, sorry, go ahead. I think you did. It, I think he did. No, no, I'm like a nice little musical interlude. But <laughs> then Anderson stepped in at the last minute and, and provided the finance that Holdsworth was struggling to, to raise, so much so that Holdsworth ended up going to Blue Marble, who are effectively like a, a, a corporate quick quid or wonga.com, oh, uh, borrowing £6 million at 24% interest, which, given our finances, was you know a, a desperate move by someone who was, I think was trying to do the right thing, but probably in the wrong way. Is, is Holdsworth
3: independently wealthy, or is he just heading I up? I don't think
4: so. I think he's just a figurehead, given his relationship with the with the club. Um, it soon started to, to go to shit to uh, to Holdsworth. In, in fairness, um, Anderson is a is a sly operator, he, and I mean that with respect. He, he's, he's a businessman. He knows what he's doing. Um, Holdsworth began to get marginalised. The the terms of the of the deal that they struck became public knowledge, and uh, you know a lot of the fans couldn't believe what Holdsworth had done. Obviously. Forgetting it, without that deal, they probably wouldn't have had a club to support. Um, and it came to the point then where, where Anderson ultimately, it took 18 months, two years, bought Holdsworth's shares after Holdsworth's uh, company, Sports Shield, was liquidated about a month ago, give or take. Um, so that took Anderson's shareholding to about 95%, um, then after which uh, Sports Shield were liquidated and anderson took over full ownership there's a few shares floating around with fans and, and various people here and there but yeah um since then he's resolved or he's renegotiated i should say the terms of this blue marble loan and um, he, he says with better better terms in our favor nobody knows what they are to be 100 um, and we might find out one day when he's left i don't know uh, but the rumors are now that he wants to sell the club which you know you can understand he's not a not an, a necessarily, a, a massively wealthy man who can bankroll a football club like an Evans or, or someone like that. Um, and I've been on the search for external investment to take over his shareholding, which will mean, in his in his ideal world, he'll stay on as a chairman, probably get a nice wedge out of it as, as a as a salary, and then someone else will have the financial responsibility, which he hasn't got. We've been in this transfer embargo for two years, which has probably helped him a little bit because he's not had to stick his hand in his pocket no, too often. To tra- to Transfers. Yeah. Loans and free transfers are one thing. Um, the trouble that we've had with fa- uh, filing our accounts as well has led to people asking more questions because it, it appeared that whilst he was putting money into the club, we're not talking millions, we're talking you know, a couple of hundred thousand pounds here and there, um, but as soon as he would have the opportunity, he would withdraw it again. So, you know, we would sell a player, we might pay a few debts, but then he would withdraw his investment again and then make it again in a few months' time. So, he, 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 he is another one that sort of polarises people a little bit in that he's obviously done a lot of good for the club, but I don't think there's any doubt that the good he's done has also been for the benefit of himself. He's a, I met him a couple of times. He's a nice guy, but he's also a pretty hard-nosed businessman. He's one of those people that, that you know, he might well be a bit of a shark, but at least if he's working for you, he's your shark.
3: And you'd rather have... Someone like that than someone Absolutely. borrowing six million on twenty four percent interest. Right? Absolutely,
4: with the best will in the world, Aldus well, was, was naive, or you know, otherwise he was he was stupid. And um, no matter what his, his motivations were, but we've managed to get to the point now where we're, we're hopefully starting to to right these uh, these financial wrongs. Came out of the embargo today, which was a surprise. It's been there for. Oh, six hundred happened today,
3: 30. did it? I wasn't aware. Today,
4: yeah, they about, about four o'clock this afternoon. Um, 630 days we were in this embargo for uh, and they finally managed to get it lifted today which is an absolutely brilliant step something that we've been waiting to happen for the best part of two years and now we can start making trans- uh, signings again we still won't be able to pay for it obviously because the window's shut but free transfers there's no wage caps anymore because uh, previously this season we were we couldn't pay for loans i think we jonathan pay.
3: douglas might still be available <laughs> <laughs>
4: There's a million, there's a million waifs and strays that we're going to be linked with <laughs> in the next few days. Um, we also, in final, just to, sorry, just to finish off slightly, out. was that it, the, the final element of the embargo that we were, we were restricted on was wages. We could only offer players four thousand five hundred pound a week, which in this division is probably what you know a twentieth of what John Terry might earn. So man. it really led to us, to us, you know, paddling uphill without a stick. So hopefully, from from today onwards, things are going to improve.
3: Great stuff. Um, do you, just quickly. Do you have any resentment? Um, do, I mean, despite seeing Okocha and Campo, Jokaiev, all those great players. Do you have any resentment towards? Well, as soon as you said Gartside, Davies, and Allardyce, I just kind of thought cowboys. Do you know what I mean? Have you got? Is there any any kind of resentment towards those three?
4: No, I, I don't. Know. I go through sp- phases, to be honest with you, because Allardyce. Um, gave us some of the best years of my life I can imagine it's ever going to be like that watching Bolton I, I think it's going to be very difficult for us to ever get back to that level again You know, some of the European away days that I did in, in Portugal, in, in uh, Spain, Germany they're absolutely amazing memories that will, will probably never ever be repeated but at the same time that era is responsible for where we are today mm. so part of me wants to, re- to be grateful for what we did but at the same time you wonder whether it was really worthwhile for the the follow years that follow that followed,
3: but then you did utter the sentence: "It'll never be this good again."
4: Yeah, well, yeah, um, you know, weird, isn't it? Yeah, complete realist in that thing. You know, it's very, very difficult these days with the way football is that anyone's going to break through unless some Chinese fella comes along and throws hundreds of millions of pounds your way, which you know I don't think it's going to happen. Um, Eddie Davies again. I have the same feelings about turn off the tap. Well, it's his money; he can do what he wants, wants with it. You know, it's not my uh, nothing to do with me what he does with it. Um, he did. Right off the 150-odd million quid, ultimately. So we don't owe that money anymore, um, which is unbe- an unbelievable thing to do. He has, however, left a few conditions in there. So should we ever get back in the Premier League? Yeah, we don't owe 150 million quid, but we'll have to pay him back about 30. So mm. there's little, con- there's conditions here, there and everywhere which are in his favour. But again, this is what businessmen do. Yeah. Um, and Gartside, you know, he's not here anymore to defend himself. And in fairness, he, he was always very good to me. Um I knew his lad quite well, um, and we went on a, on a few do's and away matches and so on. Where you know they put they put tickets on for us, etc. So he was always perfectly not perfectly uh, civil to me. I know that's not the case with everybody, but I, I you know took him as I found him, and I always found him to be a decent guy. Uh, and it was very you know very sad end to uh, to what he did. His his career at Bolton was was very much um, over the course of about a quarter of a century. He was there from being on the board in the nineties to then taking over as chairman in the two thousands. And he oversaw things like the, the, you know, part, part oversaw the move to Burn uh, from Burn to the Reebok, and uh, the development of the team, hiring Allardyce, allow, allowing him to go make these sort of signings. So it's with I'd really struggle to to criticise him too much. Sure. Any of them, in fairness, you know, I, I think sometimes you've got to accept that in order to have those glory years there are sacrifices and I bet if you spoke to most football fans oh, if you we could did. have Chris, we got a decade of success. similar mm. thing where we had Absolutely.
3: that one amazing season in the Premier League and then it was Finidi George and Matteo Serrani and people on stupid contracts and then yeah. two years uh, you know later it's administration selling off all yeah. the players we've never recovered from it but no. if you say to people you know that season Stuart scored 20 goals and it was away wins at Liverpool and Leeds. Nearly beat Arsenal. Nearly beat Man United. You know, there's a lot of people who still say, "Well, at least I saw, I saw that." Season. Exactly, guess, and
4: yeah. we 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 often use the comparison of Leicester's Leicester when we're talking about on our, on our own podcast. You know, if I was a Leicester fan, I wouldn't care if they would never won another match for the rest <laughs> of my life yeah. after, after what what happened last season because. Surely that's the point of football that that you have these moments of glory, and it's not about the the, the grinding out nil nils at home to Middlesbrough, you know. It's about the, the fleeting moments of glory, and if that's what it takes to, to to suffer ten years of misery afterwards, then you know it's not a bad deal. I don't think.
3: So, um, my next question was the expectations going in to the season, but I dare say, was your main hope and expectation? Oh, get the embargo lifted and get towards um. You know, finances point in the right way rather than any on pitch stuff.
4: Um, I mean, probably yeah. I mean, from my point of view, we, we grew, we become so com- uh, so accustomed to talking about finance. We're all accountants on financial fair play, and we know our our accounts like the back of our hand. And um, but we always considered, at least the lads that in in the group that are, that are right alongside. And um, if we could finish twenty first, we'd be, that'd be an absolutely brilliant season. We'd be very very happy with that because we know full well we're. we're probably got the lowest budget in the league. We've signed a squad of players who probably couldn't really get a game anywhere else, either because they're they're injured all the time or they're hopeless. So it was always going to be like that. Um, Finances, yeah, you know, in an ideal world, it'd be great if we could go and uh, start to make a few signings and and elevate ourselves a little bit. But it was always going to be a struggle on and off the pitch. So there's been no surprises on that front, at least to me.
3: Okay. Um, So seven games in doesn't make... Great reading. I've got two mm-hmm. draws, five defeats. You've not had the lead yet. Um, hundred <laughs> percent. Apart from that, it's been great. Hundred percent losing record at home. Um, have there been decent performances? Has there been stuff that makes it look like you know there's going to be a period in the season where? Um, I sound so patronising, don't I? This is probably you, how people, you, people think about Ipswich. Um, where, <laughs> has has there been good good performances and hints that you know, that there's some wins coming and some points coming.
4: Yeah, there certainly has. I mean, we played Sheffield Wednesday in the Cup um, and we had, we battered them. It was it's a 3-2 at the end it finished up. We were 3-0 up with an hour gone and we absolutely battered them. Um, and not to mention the fact we played, we played Leeds on the opening day. That was that was a pretty poor game. But We had a game against Derby the week after, Birmingham the week after that. Oh, we, we played well in all those games, even on um, Saturday when we lost 3-0 against Middlesbrough. Played well. You know, it's just, in this league, I think it just comes down to the fact that better players are going to be more clinical and take the chances that, that our lads, unfortunately, are not able to be quite as clinical with. Um, we played Sheffield United on Tuesday, and that was a one-nil defeat. Um, Sheffield United were perfectly functional, you know, did a job, but we didn't. They didn't batter us at the same time, you know. We weren't outclassed or anything like that, and had a couple of decisions or a couple of chances gone our way, things might have been very different. So. It's easy to look at the stats and think, "Oh Christ, you know, we're, we're, we're absolutely knackered already after seven games." But it's a long season; there's still forty more matches to play. Um, and like I said, first of all, twenty-first place would be an absolutely unbelievable success for us. Um, I did an article today, actually, on, on lineofinnesweek dot com, which everyone should definitely read about Bolton's season starts over the last four or five years. Um, and it's only last season that we haven't made this kind of start. Going back to two thousand and thirteen we've had a winless run of at least six games in four out of five seasons. Crikey. So I don't know what it is. Um, we had one of one of seven, one of ten, one of six, and one where we won our fourth game but didn't win in 18 games after that. So, you know, it, I don't know what it is in, in the very, very slow starters. It's all just about how we recover from that.
3: I, I, um, guess, I guess given that it's been a club with financial issues, probably the, the theory that I would posit is that the squad doesn't settle until after... You know, August thirty first, yeah. and you know, yeah, probably so. Probably you don't really start until mid September, yeah.
4: Definitely, and and under the Andersons, his son uh, is an agent, as as he was, and um, very active on social media and so on. And they make, they almost Daniel Levy esque. They pride themselves on being last minute Larrys, You know, we we signed four, five, and six players on deadline day, which is very exciting. But at the same time, it's another month before those players are bedded in, and the, another you know a few weeks before the fit doesn't always work in our favor. Um, so there's pluses and, and, and minuses, I think, with, uh, with the way that we operate.
1: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.
2: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee In terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
0: Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month, or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there. Supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process.
4: Great. I, I certainly agree with you. I don't think it helps us at all.
0: So I've
3: got a whole, Chris, a whole list here. LaFondra, Buckley, Taylor, Amiobi, Little, Darby, Burke, Robinson, Armstrong. Oh. Um, uh how many of them are going to be main first-team guys?
4: Uh, probably the ones that are actually can walk <laughs> <laughs> at the minute because right. we've, got a, we've got an injury crisis at the minute. We've got 23 players in the squad and I think it's seven are out-injured. Tw- roughly 25% of the entire squad is out-injured at the minute. Um, the likes of Buckley, Buckley went off injured midweek. A couple of players are coming back. W- uh, Weta just came back from an injury. and Vela is probably out for another three or four weeks, so he won't be playing either. Um, we're struggling, and so I think part of the reason why that all these ridiculous Baptista rumours are, are swaying around is because we're desperate for bodies. Baptista, but we need people. What? Uh, Baptista, Baptista used to play for Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah and
3: Real Madrid. They, yeah,
4: they, yeah. He played for our reserves uh, on Tuesday against is QPR. Really? When they, yeah, when they lost five 0 against QPR, that bodes, that bodes well. Um, <laughs> okay. But we're we're looking to try and boost the squad because we just haven't got the, the strength in depth.
3: I've just, um, I've just place- remembered Mario Yardell. Hmm? What, what Lard- was it?
4: He- yeah, affectionately nicknamed Lardell because he, he was a bit of a porker when he played for us. But didn't he score um, like
3: a billion goals? For, he was amazing in Champions he League. Did. Of he Turkey did. Turkey we, as well, wasn't
4: he? We paid a million quid for him. Um, he lasted about six months. Wow. Scored a couple of goals. A really good goal in the cup against Liverpool. Um missed a couple of chances where your grandma would have scored and then disappeared to Ancona I think it was on a free transfer really bizarre but completely indicative of that time period when we were <laughs> signing players from Paris Saint-Germain Real Madrid um we signed Bruno Ingotti from AC Milan wow we signed players from Marseille you know it's it's just it's just looking back it's like an alternative universe reality <laughs> where
3: it's different it's a different club isn't it uh,
4: yeah well yeah fundamentally it most definitely is um, but these new new players that we've got, they're all starting to show. Uh, hopefully, trying to show what they can do on a more regular basis. A lot of them, like I said, because of the embargo we were in, they're not stars. They're not people that you'd be jealous necessarily that we've signed. Um, we bought them because they didn't really have anywhere else to go, and we didn't have a choice. It's kind of a bit like Blackpool that year when they only had five players in the squad as, as the season began, and next thing you know, any any Tom Dick and Harry's turning up and getting a game. Um, but you know Positive signs coming out of it. They are starting to gel together. It's been seven games now, and a lot of them have been here since since the summer. We didn't make uh, we didn't make any deadline day signings, in fact, um, which was which made a nice change. And I think that cohesiveness is, is starting to come in cohesion, I should say. <laughs> um, so we're, we're looking we're looking better, but it's just about getting getting results now.
3: Um, oh, my next question was about Parkinson. So I, he seems to have been a bit of a saint, really. Then, given all the yeah, all what he's had to put up with. Um,
4: good, good manager for you. Oh yeah, definitely. I think you know, with, along with the, the work they've done today and getting the embargo lifted, I think Anderson's you know, best bit of work was getting Parkinson in the club. There was talk at the time of either Steve Cottrell or oh, Adkins, who used to used to manage Reading. Adkins the, is
3: pure uh, David Brent as well, isn't he?
4: Correct, correct. Uh, they were the two big favourites for the job, and Parkinson came out of left field a little bit. Now. He's a very, it was very much a, a, you know, unspectacular appointment. We've had, you know, we had, even back in the day, Lennon was quite a glamorous appointment. Coyle, we pinched from Burnley when they were doing well, so that was quite controversial and, and a bit exciting. But Parkinson's much more pragmatic. He's much more of an organiser. Um, he's not got much experience of the championship, but he, he knows the, the league, you know, New League One inside and out. And he was able to come in and, and lift a team that was relegated by best part of 30 points the year before and have them all firing on all c- cylinders within. You know, within a week or so of the season starts in League One. Um, and so I think he's got a lot of credit with Bolton fans. Um, this sort of start under the likes of Friedman and Coyle wasn't tolerated one bit. You know, that the natives were very, very restless. But right now, you've got a few people grumbling on, on social media, as, they, as they'll always be, about the fact that we haven't won in seven games. But the majority of people understand that he's working with one hand tied behind yeah. his back. Even if he was to lose his job, we wouldn't be able to afford anyone half-decent to come in. And then anyone half-decent that does come in who decides magically to work for free, has still got us pick from the same shallow pool that Parkinson's got to pick from. And so I think luckily we're, 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 we're fortunate in that we've got no choice but to, to employ a bit of continuity. But I like Parkinson. I think he deserves to stay no matter what the results are. Last season's um, the changes in, in the squad... And the changes in the way that we've played were, were fantastic to see. It's what we've been crying out for for a good, good number of years. Uh, so even if we were to, to struggle, even if it gets to Christmas and we're still in this position, I'd still be reluctant to let him go. Whether the chairman will have the same opinion, given the, the fact that uh, a club in the Championship is obviously a lot more valuable than one in League One, if he's trying to sell the club, uh, is another matter altogether.
3: Okay. Um, are you able to give us a bit of a jaunt at what you think the lineup might be on Saturday?
4: Yeah, so uh, Ben Anik will probably play in goal. Um, he's been rotating with Mark Howard over the last few weeks, but Howard dropped a bit of a clangor um, a couple of weeks back, and so I doubt he'll be he'll be given the chance to get back in just yet. So Anik in goal, um, we played five at the back, well, two wing-backs on Tuesday. We had uh, Anthony Robinson, who's on loan from Everton, quite a nippy little left uh, young left-back, I think he's about 18. Uh, he plays left, obviously. Uh, Mark Little, who used to play for Wolves on the right, and then the three centre-halves being Beavers, Wheater and Rhys Burke, who's a, a good ball-playing prospect, centre-half on loan from West Ham. Uh, in front of that, we had Josh Cullen, who's also on loan from West Ham, who's pretty much just a clone of Mark Noble. Um, oh, we we, had we had had Mark
3: w- Noble, he was great,
4: yeah. Yeah, he's just you know, one of those solidly, fun, spectacular players. He doesn't really seem to to go forward, doesn't really seem to go back, but just keeps the ball moving nice. He's a tidy, tidy look player, Um Alongside him, we had Will Buckley, who used to play for Leeds, but he got injured, and Philip Moraes came on to replace him, which is odd, as a winger, playing in the sensory midfield. Um, Buckley won't play, so whether Prattley comes back in, he's our captain, um, if you talk about polarising figures, there's no polarisation
3: This is a long time ago. I remember him really taking the piss against us for Swansea, being really good, but that was a long he time was,
4: ago. He's been with us for seven seasons, yeah. well, it is now. Um, which coincidentally it, it began when we started to turn shit. So there's my <laughs> conspiracy. But Prattley is, is is captain, but he, you won't find many Bolton fans who've got a good word to say about him, unfortunately. And um, so I suspect Prattley will come back in for the for his energy, given it the fact that uh, we're going to be on the back foot. You would expect in an away game in this league. Um, and then let me think who else have we got in the team? Now we had Cullen, we had Prattley, Medina will play up front. There's any question of that whatsoever. And um, I believe. Craig Noon, who we've just signed from Cardiff, will come in and play one of the wide positions. Um, he looks quite decent player. He's certainly scored a few goals against us over the years. But I'm grateful that we signed him instead of keeping on uh, having him scoring against us. And then we've also got Sammy Amiobi. who used to play for Newcastle, who's coming back to, for full fitness. There's a chance he might be back for the weekend, I believe. Um, whether he'll start or not is another matter because he's not played much this season at all. So it won't be much different than the team we played uh, that we played uh, on Tuesday night. In fairness, um, barring the injury to Buckley, anything else that happens between now and then, um, it's, it's a moderately settled team. Um, the the sub bench isn't particularly strong. We've, we've, we've not got much by way of, uh, of attacking threat on the bench. Um, Lafondra seems to live on there at the minute. He, he's not finding a place in the team, which he is a has shame. for Most
3: of his career, hasn't he?
4: He's been he's he's been really good for us as well in both spells. I just think at the moment he's he's struggling for form a little bit. The team's struggling for form. Um, and Parkinson's choosing to pack the midfielder out rather than uh, sacrifice the midfielder for another attacker. Not the way I'd, I'd approach it, but you know he, he, he's, he's done well by us, so I, I find it hard to criticise him too much. Um, so it's going to be a fairly settled team that you'll find, uh, you'll find making the trip down on Saturday.
3: Great stuff, great insight. Um, and how do you see it going?
4: Well, um, to quote a statistic that is just laden with context, I don't think we've won away in the championship for thirty matches. I think that's the way it is at the minute. We're obviously that's that's over two years, separated by a season in the champ in the in League One. But Our away form has been shocking for for the best part of three of uh, three years in the championship. Last year we again we had the, the boost of being a, a slightly bigger team and we were going to these games and, and overwhelming our opposition. Uh, I don't see that happening, unfortunately. At weekend we'll go with a an organised, if somewhat defensive outlook. Um, and given, I'll have to ask you your opinion on Waghorn and Garner how they've been getting. I only saw them in the first couple of weeks when they started scoring. I think you might have you might have too much for us. I'd take a I'd take a draw today if you're offering it.
3: Yeah, I, I thought you might say that. Um, Waghorn and Garner. Garner's going to play every game. He's really strong up front. Waghorn is weird because he's he his first game he got put behind the front too. Then he got shoved. He's left-footed. And he got shoved right midfield um, okay. for like. The, his first appearances and he scored four goals in like two and a half games. Um, he's not got the chance to go up front. We don't know whether, whether we might see that on Saturday, but McCarthy loves McGoldrick and if McGoldrick's fit, McGoldrick will probably play. So um, it's weird because everyone sees them coming together from Rangers, but there kind of is no um, Waghorn and Garner yet because they haven't played up front together. I see, so, okay. Um we shall see. The big clamour um, down here is that we got this guy on loan from Man City. Um, he chose Selena. you. He chose.
4: He chose you over us. Oh, did he really? He did indeed. Oh, fascinating. Um, I hope he does terribly badly.
3: <laughs> well, he he came on uh, with 15 minutes left and scored an absolute stupid goal against QPR. So everyone's going to be getting on. But you know how stubborn Mick is. The more people say get him on, the <laughs> less likely he is to of course. to get him on. So. Um, cool. Awesome insight. Um, let's just go back in time. We have to do this because ITFC fan and guardian journalist Nick Amos recently wrote a piece last week, in fact, about the incredibly ridiculous playoff semi final um second. Did. Leg. I read it. Oh you I did read it. Okay. Of um,
4: course, yeah, he's completely wrong as well. If you're okay. listening, completely wrong.
3: Um so we like retweeted it and um kind of talked to him. Um and we got Quite a lot of tweets from Bolton fans and how many years are we on now? But 17 years on. Still really pissed yeah. off about that game. It doesn't
4: matter. It doesn't matter how long ago it was. It remains an injustice. It remains. It'll always be an injustice.
3: Wow. Just, just, just go on quickly because most Ipswich fans think that your boys lost the plot in that game and it all went ragged. And then I was fielding tweets about refereeing conspiracies and... And all, and all of this. And I, I, I very, very um, politely asked which decisions did you disagree with and just got back. no was a Conspiracy, <laughs> terrible. Um, wait, go on, fill me in, smart me up.
4: Yeah, so obviously it's, this is the famous Barry Knight affair when um, Jim Jilton. McGillin- Oh, I don't even like saying his name, he, Jim he's
3: he A I, great player, Chris. That he was. A I
4: don't player. care. I don't <laughs> care. He's an absolutely, dis- <laughs> absolutely despicable human being. It, it, him and his mates, along with their mate Barry, they they, 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 oh, they. Oh God, I'm getting angry now. They go, they. I, in, in our world and the way that we look at it, we were goaded into acts of extreme physical violence by, <laughs> <laughs> by Jim McIlton and his merry men aidly aided and abetted by Mr. Knight, who failed to re- failed to see the, the slight underhand tactics that Majilton and Et al were were performing on our brave and virtuous men. Um only to then find ourselves on the on the opposite end of something like fourteen yellow cards, three red cards, uh four, three penalties. I I you know, I lose I lose track of exactly what the stats were, but they're irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. Uh Barry Knight yeah, he's, he became persona non grata around there, uh, around in Bolton. His name is mud, even to this day. The day that he retired uh, through injury, there were street parties being thrown. <laughs> um, there's a famous story, which I, it might be apocryphal, I don't know. Um, but in the days that followed that match, somebody found out his home address and posted a turd in the mail to him. As well. <laughs> oh so we've 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 always taken it very very poorly and, and believed ourselves to have been the victim of a of a, of a very unfair refereeing performance that didn't. Give both teams the same rubber of the green. Obviously, I read Nick's uh, piece and and it is balanced. That you know, it, it is not a million miles away from from the truth. I, I maintain there's still an element of it that that doesn't make sense to me. How two teams can be refereed so differently by the same guy, uh, a guy who would go on to have similarly awful performances at else at other times in his career, like uh, Stuart Atwell. We had him on Tuesday night. He's another terrible referee. Not on the power of of, of, a, of a crook like Barry Knight, but still ter- still terrible. Uh, do so do you know yeah, I, I need to
3: I need to rewatch it. I do, I do remember thinking that Whitlow's being a red and not a yellow was harsh, but I'm thinking back Reed. the penalties and the two. I think the one that we missed was the most nailed on when someone took Stuart. Oh no, Richie. Threw someone over, Paul didn't Richie,
4: he? Yeah, Paul Ritchie did. Yeah, I, and I'm the same. I, I haven't really been back and seen it in that much depth, so I'm only, I'm only, you know, being a bit exaggerated in my response. Whether we're viewing it with, with you know, grown-up eyes, so to speak, yeah, would mean right, yeah. my response to being a bit different. I don't know. I'm not prepared to put myself through that. too. Much. I'd rather, I'd rather be safe in my, uh, in my memories being what they were. And um, but it's one of those things that you know, the, there's, there's games like that are down the years. We lost against Everton. We drew against Everton in the first game at the. Reebok, when we scored a goal that, didn't, that wasn't given, it crossed the line and we went down on goal difference again, you know, with Everton staying up. So that didn't go in our favour and we've never forgotten that as well. I think we've got long memories for perceived injustices where we're partly to blame. You know, if we'd have scored more goals and won more games, it wouldn't have mattered. We would we'd have stayed up anyway. You know, if we hadn't have got wound up, we might have beaten you fair and square in normal time all the same. So it's one of those ones where it, 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 it sort of gathers moss over the years and, and, and as, it, as it gets told from generation to generation, the injustice gets greater and greater. No doubt to the point where, you know, in 10 years, you're Barry Knight who struck home the, the winning penalty. Um, <laughs> but at least, you know, like we spoke about Holdsworth before, I'd, I'd hate to think that uh, we weren't going to talk about the times that we did pump you in the playoffs. So we can always talk about that if you like.
3: Well, you see, the clear injustice of that was that you beat us <laughs> you beat us on away goals and you had 30 minutes Extra despite finishing three positions hey. lower to score more away goals and bloody
4: oh, Idega I Johnson rules, and mate. Bob
3: Taylor. I don't
4: make the rules, Ben. Come on, you, you got no, no, to. No, no, it's these. quite
3: humorous you say it because I remember the year before we lost to Charlton. And just for years, going oh, Charlton kicked us off the kicked us off the park. They did, but I yeah, I, I, yeah. and it's like no, they scored more goals than and therefore won. I think um, yeah,
4: think. I think the the team the team that we had in that year when we lost against you guys was better than the oh, team that we Fransson, had. Oh, Johansson,
3: to- Johansson, Jensen, yeah. Gardner, Good- Johnson, Johnson, Taylor. Yes, yeah. I can nearly do the much whole better, team. Much
4: better, than, much better than the team that went up the year Gardner.
3: after. I, yeah. I tell you what as well, Mark Fish is kind of legendary in Ipswich for um, coming on for, I think he played one half and then retired straight after. But he was a yeah. hell of a player for you as well. Wasn't he was he? excellent. They were, excellent, they were, man, they were good yeah. days, weren't they? And um,
4: two, two and a half million from Lazio. And I remember, he, um, abiding memory of Mark Fish, on his debut, the club shop started selling hats that had foam fish on top. And I badgered my mum to let me have one. And I was about 13, something like that. And it was about ten, about a tenner and she was appalled, but she bought one and I wore it for five minutes and I think it went in a cupboard. And I found it when I moved out of my uh, childhood home a few years ago. Um, some fantastic memories. Was, was great for us.
3: All I'll say, Chris, the 5-3, um, the I mean, just one stupid thing. Before Holdsworth even scored... Wayne Brown miscontrolled it, and Michael Johansson nearly scored from the halfway line. That isn't even oh, like, yeah. that. Isn't even the twenty-fifth most noteworthy thing to happen in that game. I just think you'll never, ever, ever see anything like that yeah, it was ever. Proper even drama. If, but... Oh, it was in insane. I get goosebumps even thinking about it. Anyway, um, we've been doing a thing with everybody who comes on. We're going to hope, hopefully, someone picks a keeper at some point, um, and we can make a team out of them. Um, who is your all-time favourite Wanderers player to? to add to our add to our list and we'll, we'll try and build a team. it doesn't have to be you know oh who you think the you know like you don't have to say Kevin Beattie if you're an Ipswich fan if your favorite player is the, i don't know Jim Magilton, for example
4: yeah yeah I don't think anyone will pick Jim Gillan <laughs> um I'll give you I'll give you two if you don't mind just yeah, because my initial period support Bolton, um, John McGinley was my favorite player he's a Scottish center forward very rugged came to us when he was 27 year old hadn't really played quick as well Yeah, I don't think we're talking about the same John McGinley. I'm
3: thinking of John Hendry. I'm thinking of John Hendry, played Ah, for Middlesbrough. Sorry, sorry.
4: That's the one. I love John McGinley from the first minute I ever saw him play. He was the the sort of player who, he was barrel-chested, had a Bolton tattoo on his arm. He would come out for the warm-up after they'd done the running. It's just your archetypal sort of (laughs) Scottish centre-forward. And he had some fantastic partnerships with Andy Walker, first of all, with Nathan Blake as well. Um, and, and numerous strikers down the years, uh, and he scored goal after goal after goal, including the final one at the old stadium. And um, you know, he's just—it he was always one of my favourite players because you could always rely upon him to, to score. Um, and he, he did—he scored over a hundred goals for us in his time. And a thoroughly nice guy as well. If you meet him today, he's, uh, he still hangs around the town. He works for the club in a in a sort of commercial capacity on a match day as well. So he's obviously still got a lot of love for the club at heart too. And um, secondary would be Kevin Davies. Um, I remember when we. When we signed Kevin Davies, we'd, he'd just come from the back of, of being diabolical at Southampton and been released after a, a spell at Millwall. Um, I remember very clearly being on summer, on summer holidays and word came in that we were in the Premier League at the time that we'd signed Kevin Davies and I thought it was some kind of sick joke. You know, Why would we want to sign him? But On his debut, he, he gave out the most swashbuckling, Tough tackling, all-action, defender-bothering performance I've ever seen in my life. And we had the best part of, of 10 years' worth of performances like that from him. He, he very rarely let us down. Didn't quite perhaps score as many goals as most centre-forwards would like to, but comparing him with the likes of Medine, who we spoke about before, I guess Kevin Davies was a kind of archetype for that, in that his primary position on the pitch may well have been a forward, but he wasn't in the team necessarily to score the goals that were going to win you the games. He was going to win the ball back, he was going to facilitate play. He just had that sort of charisma and that sort of attitude to the game that that I really loved. And there's nothing better, I don't think, in football than a a really, really hard sliding tackle. Um, And he used to rustle the jimmies of so many opposing players, especially in the Premier League, uh, to see them, they'd come to the game and, and they'd face him and they'd know they were in for a battle. And more often than not, he'd come out on top. And I loved his attitude because he was clearly not the world's most skillful player, but he, he he fought and he battled every single week, and he he did really well for us, and was a key part in some of the big successes we had during that decade in the Premier League. He scored uh, a brilliant goal to equalise when we drew against Bayern Munich in Munich. Um, he was present as well in the games against Madrid, Marseille, etc. Um, you know, he, he's just an absolute ever ever present during one of the best times we ever ever had supporting Wanderers, and so I, I think I couldn't ever pick a a favourite Wanderers team without including Kevin Davies in there.
3: And very well managed as well because they good management is accentuating someone's strengths and hiding their, hiding their weaknesses. Yeah, and that was done perfectly by Allardyce, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, definitely. It, it tailed off towards the end as he got older. He, he wasn't uh, treated quite so well by uh, Dougie Friedman in particular, who who ostracised him and pretty much uh, forbid him from coming to the training ground, etc. In the last three months of his uh, of his Bolton career and he left on a free transfer uh, to Preston uh, so it was sad the way it ended for him and the club have, have kind of messed things up a little bit and I don't know what part he's had to play in it as well but as he as he left there was talk of a big testimonial he'd been there for 10 years all ex-players you know Campo, Acoccia, Jarkov etc coming back to play with him um, and that was four years ago and it's never happened and he's made noises that the club don't want to do it which is a bit of a shame really because he's he's come out on talk sport social media etc and, and not been that complimentary about these last few uh, months at the club and i think people there have got long memories and there's quite a few people still in power who were there at the time and i guess maybe feel a bit slighted by some of his comments so it's a shame it did end on a bit of a sour note but there were more highs than lows so i don't think he will ever be thought of anything else than uh, probably one of the, the like the, the club legends i guess of the last 10 years
3: great stuff chris um Okay, I think we've got to the end. Um, awesome insight. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, now, there's a reason you can't plug your Twitter, isn't there?
4: How do you know about that? Because
3: <laughs> I, I listen to your podcast on the way
4: oh, Of course, of course, yeah, of course. Yeah, um, I don't know what it is. I, I I have phases of being into things, and I have phases of making snap decisions that don't, don't, I don't know, that don't seem to make much sense to people. You, but, yeah, you, I'm not on the edge. Yeah, I knocked it on the head about six weeks ago. Uh and I'll be honest with you, it's it's very refreshing change, Ben. Very refreshing change. I don't know what level you're uh how oh, deep you are in, in it. Well I was I was oh, fairly deep. I think I was over yeah.
3: people hate me Hate you. Oh, the, oh, you, the
4: problem, you sound lovely.
3: No, the problem is is that my co host Dave is really nice and <laughs> I I sometimes bully him a little bit. Um ah. so yeah. Um YouTube, YouTube is worse. People are horrible is it? to me on YouTube, yeah.
4: Oh, we, we've never delved into YouTube, yeah. to be honest. We, we, we stick to the, to the main elements. Now, yeah, it's just one of those things. I, I was quite a every user of it, you know, and, and I found myself, I've got two young kids as well, so I found myself, you know, often in the evenings just sitting on my phone checking Twitter and, and I really probably decided I shouldn't be doing that. I should be devoting a bit more time to them. So that was the main reason. Did you ever but do that the same thing time- where
3: you turned your phone on and, or you just went to your phone and without even knowing you did it, opened Twitter and... you? Absolutely. You weren't thinking. You weren't thinking about it. You hadn't planned to do it. You just the the neurons just did it.
4: Yeah, just just spark into life, and the next (laughs) thing you know, yeah, you've lost half an hour. So it's difficult from some points of view because I do I do kind of miss that the sort of breaking news element of it, especially with with football and with Bolton. But there's enough people who 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 are in our line. of have a writers group on Facebook, for example, where we discuss stories and so on. It'll come and let you know anything that breaks, anything that happens. So I've kind of got the best of both worlds. I don't have to be beholden to it. I don't have to worry about, you know, responses to people and things like that. Because, you know, everyone's done it in the past. I'm sure they have where they've tweeted things that they regret. And there'll only come a point in time where my eldest, for example, will probably have an account on there. I don't want to see some of the rubbish that I used to write on the internet. So the best thing I thought to do is we'll just go, go cold turkey for a bit. We won't delete it. We'll just go cold turkey. And um, then that next thing, you know, sort of a fortnight passed. And I was, you know, I had a lot of more free time. I felt, <laughs> I was, you know, I was felt less, I wasn't quite, less
3: angry when you got uh, up. Yeah.
4: Exactly, exactly. And then I thought, oh, sack it. let's just get rid of it. And uh, I always got a month or whatever it was to change your mind. But no, that's passed now. I think somebody else has taken the username on and uh, decided to make it into a Gary Medine fan appreciation page, which I can, <laughs> I can respect. <laughs> I can respect the humour in that.
3: That's got to be one of your um, team, hasn't it?
4: Yeah, I think so. I mean I've had some more, some pretty harsh things to say about you in the past, which I regret. Uh, so yeah, I could I can see the funny side of that most yeah. definitely. Great. But it's stuff. interesting, you know, it does it does it frees up a lot more time in your life and it's uh it certainly allows you to be more productive in many ways.
3: Okay. Um what's so what's the um Line of Vienna sweet Twitter? We'll plug that instead.
4: Yeah, no, it's Line of Vienna S T E. Um and we're about eighty five episodes in on the podcast. We recorded another one last night. We have a, a spin-off wrestling one as well because quite a few of the lads on the the show uh, still watch a bit of the old wrestling. So we, we diversify from time to time with uh, we're talking about a bit of fake fighting, which fake is good favourite,
3: fun. Favorite wrestler of all time?
4: Oh, I, if I told you I was sat here in a Stone Cold Steve Austin t-shirt, would you believe me?
3: <laughs> no, you you actually?
4: Of course I am. <laughs> of course I'm 34 34 <laughs> years old and I've, I live my life on the internet. Of course I've got a Stone Cold Steve <laughs> Austin t-shirt. <on>. Unbelievable. <laughs> It's these things that entertain me. I, I, it's weird because, I, I, you know, I, I hadn't watched anything like that for the best part of 15 years and then one day I was just idly browsing Sky with nothing on and the wrestling was on so I will oh, go and I'll watch it, a bit of nostalgia and the next thing you know, I'll watch it every single week. Practice. Is, it, is it a, It's probably the, the
3: right time to reveal that I was at the Royal Rumble in 2016.
4: Ah, oh, very good. Yeah.
3: Um, very in, good. In Orlando, in Orlando, Florida. I saw Triple ah, H win, win, win the title. Yeah.
4: It was uh, a great day. I uh, yeah, uh, going going to watch him again in a few in a few weeks in November. They're up in Manchester. So Do you that's, know? Uh,
3: I went to the O two about five years running, and oh yeah, I hate to say this, wrestling fans are such dickheads now that I they are aren't I they? cannot go. They just uh, they're way worse than football fans. Way way worse. Just they they oh god, I, this is this is not for now, is it? For just sit there. Can you imagine going to the theatre or something and. People starting chants about what clothes they're wearing in the audience or Ooh. whatever, and completely just ruining, Agreed. ruining Agreed. the whole spectacle. Yeah. Um, yeah. And,
4: and a final word on, on wrestling. I live in Preston, and, and so Preston City Wrestling is quite a, a famous independent white yes. in England. Yeah. Uh, and and their fans are, are horrendous. They make me feel bad to be a nerd. I know. <laughs> I, the, the, you know the, this. Oh, I can't even describe the smell as well. Okay. It's an extra level of sweatiness that I don't think I could ever reach. At least I hope not,
3: anyway. Very good. Right. If anyone is still listening now after the last three <laughs> minutes of wrestling talk, thank you very much for listening. Um, You can obviously follow this podcast three shows a week now Um, at oh, Blue Monday oh. ITFC. I'm at Twitter at Benjamin Bloom, Facebook.com slash Blue Monday ITFC, Acast iTunes for the podcast, and you can buy your Blue Monday t-shirts um at the Twitter it's in the five Chris we always give the guests the last word Um, make it good well
4: (laughs) yeah if you see a Bolton fan on Saturday don't mention Barry Knight Um, (laughs) because if you do you might get a slightly more physically violent response than you would expect but otherwise be nice to us We we need a bit of soft love at the minute things are not going too well so yeah if you see a Bolton fan at weekend give him a pat on the head be nice and then get and move away
3: quickly. Chris, you've been fantastic, and it's eight minutes to twelve. So, on behalf of all our listeners, thank you so much I for pleasure. doing this. And um, may the best team win. Uh, sorry, may the wealthiest team win. <laughs> <laughs> the bluest team win on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah,
4: it's always the way. It's
2: oh. always the way. Go, cool. thanks, Chris. Cheers, mate. Bye.
0: Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.